0: Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC, each Saturday morning at 7:30. Successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Lowcountry talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And welcome, Lowcountry, to another Saturday morning edition of Beyond the Business, heard exclusively here on 94.3 WSC every Saturday morning from 7.30 to 8. We thank you for taking your time to join us. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox, here this morning.
1: And the other host is not Leslie Haywood, but it is Byron Stahl again. Happy to be here.
0: And Leslie is still on her spring break. We'll be back next week. But, Byron, thank you for being here and joining us. And uh, welcome to uh, mid-April. Hard to believe uh, we're flying through the month of April. And uh, another great show that we had here uh, last week. In case you happen to miss our show, uh, we had Mr. Amir Golstan on, who's the CEO and founder of Mike Fo. And Amir was kind enough to come back this Saturday, so welcome back to the studio. Thank you. And uh, we're looking forward to picking up where we left off last week and diving in. But before we do, um, a couple of things. One, um, Byron, give us a, a, a nugget that you took away from Amir's show last week.
1: I think the biggest, well, really there's two big nuggets I want to focus on. One is self-reliance. You know, from a very young age, Amir was completely self-reliant. He was given the opportunity to have a computer. Well, the contingency was was that it was entirely his responsibility. He couldn't lean on anyone else. It was his responsibility. And then the second nugget I want to focus on is uh, a value his dad also instilled in him, and that is learning all facets of the business. When he got started in his father's restaurant, he went through every single position he could before he finally got to the cashier position, and the reason being is if someone had to step out or didn't show up for work, there was no link. There was no missing link in the chain. He could step in and fill that role. Yeah, and I tell you, Amir,
0: um, I'll take that a step further with more self awareness. I mean, from your young childhood, you've had to develop a self awareness of who you are, what your strengths are, and you know, entrepreneurship. We always talk about on this show whether it's learned um, over time or you're born with it. And it sounds like in your case, you had the spirit of entrepreneurship from day one. It just had to become blossomed. And so congratulations on your success. And uh, by the way, for those uh, that are listening and you didn't get a chance to listen to Amir last week, uh, good news is you can go to our website at CoastalWM.com, click on the radio icon, and you'll hear uh, his uh, show from last week as well as all of our previous guests on there from the last four or so years in um, just great stories of entrepreneurship, leadership, and really self-reliance. So, uh, uh, please take the time to go and listen to that. And Amir, um, for our listeners sake, let's just go back a little bit, uh, to the fact that, um, <coughs> excuse me, that you had sold a business, uh, at a very young age. So you started it at 15, sold it at 16, and, uh, that gave you, uh, 110,000 or so that you could then retool and come back stronger better and smarter. So pick up where we sort of left off with the reinvention of your second bit business, which really is uh, what you have today, Mike Foe.
2: Correct. Um, well, thank you for having me back on the show. Um, so, when I, as I mentioned last week, um, when I started the business, um, it was nothing other than a hobby, and there was no agenda or objective, but after you know the successful sale um i knew that this is what i want to do career wise and um, i decided to spend good amount of time three months to put proper business plan together put proper strategy because um when i first started the first business there was um i had no experience i had no knowledge everything was essentially trial and error um And I learned a lot of experience in that even short amount of time that I had the first business. So uh, I decided to go on and do things right from day one. So I started Mikefo, and it started with a domain name. And the domain, I get a question always that, you know, what does it mean? Does it stand for anything? And the brand Mikefo does not really stand for anything. I remember... um, I went to a website called deleteddomains.com and filtered the search by five character. I knew I wanted something that's short, memorable, and has one spelling. Because with first company, which was Hostmatics, it had various spellings. And I lost a lot of traffic to site because people could not spell the domain right and people could not hear it right. Um, So that was one of the lessons that I learned early on. So this time I saw the search results and I'm like, Mike it is went to enum.com and their domain registrar and registered my domain, Mike And I started again, one man show um, focused on acquiring customers Um, at a time the market wasn't as fiercely competitive as it is today. Um, my target audience were mom and pops and a lot of them would essentially be online on sites like web hosting talk forums. And, um, they would be looking for advice on how to run their website or how to have a website. Um, I would be participating in those forums and giving genuine advice to the customers uh, or prospects on where to start. A lot of those would end up becoming my customer. And my intention was not to try to convert them into leads, but genuinely to provide guidance because I wasn't the only um, representative of a hosting company that I was participating in forums there are tens of thousands of you know people on those forums. Um, my intention was always to have genuine impact on our audiences. And that really to us is the why. As you know, with every business, you have the why, you have the what, which is the either product or service, and you have the how, which is your go-to-market strategy. For me, the why was to have genuine impact, have a genuine impact Because you're not claiming that you'll be the best. You're not claiming that you're better than the other competitors. What you're claiming is you're genuinely doing what you can to have a positive impact on that. And it may not always work out. You can obviously, um, we know that you can make everyone happy. You always have difficult customers and you can overcome that. Um, Single-handedly did that for a couple of years and ended up, Um, hiring technicians and engineers remotely. Um, All of this is still out of Dubai. So by 2008, we had grown the company to host 70,000 customers and 200 engineers working out of two call centers in India. I moved briefly to India and set up call centers and hired everyone locally. So these were essentially... Not an outsourced or a call center, but it was dedicated to us. We had uh, hired them, we had trained them. Um, it was the same exact year that we secured an enterprise customer out of San Diego that one contract was equal to eight to seven, eight to nine thousand of these mom and pops paying you 10, 20 bucks. For me, that was the paradigm shift. Um, I remember when we secured that contract, I hired 20 additional staff members and engineers to exclusively provide support to that enterprise customer. For weeks, these guys were sitting in their room in that little office and essentially doing pretty much nothing. I did (coughs) a bit of research and the second aha moment and paradigm shift for me was that, that a company of that size that spends 80 grand a month on a contract, they already have their own IT department within their company. They already have um, their support staff. And unless there is a technical related issue with your services or network, they're not gonna contact you. Um, and that got me thinking because I'm like, we are at the time we were in a very high transactional, low touch service that you're providing, you know, a lot of after service, a lot of handholding, teaching people how to upload their content, create email addresses or how to troubleshoot their website. Seeing how that can essentially Um, add to your overheads and it's a lot of responsibility managing 70,000 websites and customers for me that was my aha moment i'm like why are we focusing on you know such a high transactional business where we could focus on high touch service and provide same services to enterprises there was A gentleman um, who also had a call center a couple of blocks um, away from where we had our call centers in Nasik, which is in Pune um, in India, um, that we had very close relationship with. Uh, I I went to him and I said that I'm looking into um, divesting this portion of our business and uh, they had multiple brands, multiple hosting companies. And their bread and butter was mom and pops. That was their business. And they didn't want to change their business model. Um, And we came to an agreement and he ended up purchasing that portion of my customers. And because obviously, you know, the call center were, you know, very close. The transition was very seamless. Um, So we divested that portion of business and um, I moved to the United States in 2010 um, to New York City and began to focus only on enterprise-type customers. We opened up our first office in New York um, and then went on to open up uh, our flagship data center in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, our technicians and engineers were based out of Atlanta. Um, we went on to essentially grow the business 30% year-over-year for the past eight years, and that's where we are today, we ended up moving to Charleston. And the uh, the move to Charleston essentially was more of like a lifestyle choice and decision. I had met my wife in Charleston um, and um, we got engaged in Charleston. So Charleston always had special place in our heart and I remember um, my wife wanted to go back to nursing school and she ended up applying at MUSC and got accepted. Um, I remember she came and we were so excited that she had gotten accepted and it was almost like a no-brainer and at the time we were living in Atlanta, Georgia I said okay that's what we were gonna do. Um, so we moved to Charleston and over the course the 12 to 16 months, we ended up moving everyone else that we could to Charleston. Unfortunately, we lost a couple of our talents because there were a lot of family involvement and attachment in Atlanta.
0: So I want to go back a minute because we missed over a, a point that really came out as a game changer for you as a company. And by the way, in case you just jumped in your car and you flipped on the, the radio and you're wondering whose voice that is you're listening to, it's that of Amir Golistan, who is the CEO and founder of Mikefo. And, Amir, you were talking about this game-changing moment in your business where uh, you realized, hey, we can take on an enterprise client, and that's worth eight to 9,000 individual clients. Let's shift our resources, sell that part of the business, and and everything shifted from there. Um, But what you didn't bring up was, how did that one single enterprise client come to surface? Was that by accident? Did you look for it? How did that life-changing moment for your business happen?
2: Very good question. Believe it or not, it started with one server at $299. And they scaled that within a couple of weeks to eight servers. And that eight servers went on to become 40 servers. They really enjoyed it, and they ended up migrating their infrastructure from their current provider at the time to our infrastructure.
0: So what's the lesson for entrepreneurs listening this morning? Because, again, you weren't going to look for an enterprise client You didn't understand or know really the capabilities of that side of it yet, right? Of course. So for an entrepreneur out here in whatever business they may be in, what's the lesson to be learned from that experience that changed your business so dramatically?
2: Of course, and that's a wonderful question. In marketing, there are a terminology that referred to as red ocean and blue ocean strategy. The red ocean essentially is Your regular blue ocean that are full of fish, but the competition is so fierce that everyone's fighting tooth and nail that that has turned the ocean into full of blood. So that's the red ocean where you still have your blue ocean that there are a lot of fish that you could live on and work without a problem. That's essentially what we are doing. So what we wanted to do is not be everything to everybody and cultivate a niche that we are very good at and capitalize on that and go after that as opposed to what everyone's doing. Because today you have your four big players, your Amazon, Microsoft, Azure, Google, um, that are essentially... Uh, controlling 80% of market share, then you have 100 other customers competing for the 20% of market share. If within that uh, 20%, you can cultivate a niche that other big players are not filling and there's a void, you could still be very successful. Because it's a very saturated market. And in a lot of industry, that is the case. So Finding that niche, finding the void and servicing that could be very beneficial. And I kind of want
1: to expand upon that. I mean, you're working out of Dubai, focusing on mom and pop, really using forums to market and using call centers. And then you make the transition over to the United States to focus on quality over quantity on the client base. How did the marketing shift as well to
2: capture that? So for us, a lot of it was organic growth, Um Believe it or not, I mean, obviously, we get that a lot of time that, you know, why we ha- why haven't we heard about your company? Why aren't you out there? And for us, really, we've been fortunate enough that we've been able to grow organically through word of mouth and uh, really nurturing the existing customers and allowing them to continue to grow with. Once we secured that enterprise customer, that was obviously our first enterprise customer, and we continued to service them when I moved to New York City. They referred us to a couple of their sister companies and a couple of other you know, associates um, who had different businesses. That allowed us to enter that market all accidental and be able to service those enterprises what we decided to focus on was really nurturing the existing customers because a lot of them have various providers and various suppliers for, you know, risk mitigation. We saw that as an opportunity that if we nurture them while they still want to have, you know, not have their eggs scatter across different baskets, they have the tendency to bring more business to you. And that was the case for us.
0: So Amir, I mean, the the journey you've, going back to last week and this week, what an incredible journey and the twists and the turns and the experiences and that word self-reliance still keeps coming to surface over and over. Um, But at the same time, all of us in life have had mistakes and and we've made wrong turns. If you look back over the evolution of your company, uh, where would be a moment that you look back and say, man, I wish I maybe could have done this part a little different or a lesson that you took away that you could share with our listeners today? Of course.
2: I wouldn't change anything about what I have done um, in a humble way, because it's all those mistakes that I did that brought me where I am here today. And had I done things differently, I don't know where I would have been. If I would have come to America, if, if I would have met my wife, if I would have had my boys. So, but the lessons that I learned Was because, you know, taking a step back, I didn't go to college. I was first generation entrepreneur in our family. Everything was trial and error for me. I didn't have anyone to really, you know, teach me the tricks and, you know, um, how to do certain things. So a lot of it was trial and error. What I would focus on is really diversifying your customer base. Um, and making sure that there is a healthy balance between type of customers that you have. And that goes to story that I would like to say. Um, Obviously, everything that you've heard so far is, you know, the success. But behind the scene, I've hit rock bottom three times in my entire career in past 18 years. Um, And every time it got easier to get back on my feet. I remember first time I hit, my rock, hit rock bottom was in 2004, then it was 2007, and most recently 2013. The first time around took me about two years to get back on my feet, first year, a uh, second time, about a year, and most recently in 2013 was about six months. Diversifying your revenue and diversifying your customer base is huge. And that's the most recent um, experience that um, I went through and learned from was in 2013, where four of our customers were accounting for about 70% of our revenue. There was an act of sabotage that happened, essentially, that caused some of our infrastructure to become unusable for those customers. And we had to voluntarily let those customers out of their contract. So we lost those cost customers and that 30% customers, which is still substantial, about 1,200 customers at a time, are not able to cover your overheads. There is something for 70% of your revenue to go away and all the costs associated with that go away, there is another thing that the revenue goes away, costs stay there, mind their own business, and suck your cash flow. And that's what happened. Um, The cash flow essentially managed to get us through four months. After that, we had nothing more. Um, Building cash reserve is huge and important. making sure that No one single customer is responsible for more than 5% of your revenue. That is what was the biggest takeaway for the most recent experience that I went through. The rest of those for the other two incidents before that was being young and inexperienced.
0: Well, certainly these experiences of life right, and business uh, is what this show is all about. And as we say in our tagline, people you know and stories you don't. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. Uh, That's what uh, I think the spirit of entrepreneurship and what we're all in the boat together is about, is making it through those times of adversities and learning and applying that as we go forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what a huge takeaway to diversify your client base. And not a lot of people think about that. They end up finding success, and maybe it comes from a small subsect of client base. And you mentioned that you moved here to Charleston. Tell us about what it's like to run this global enterprise in this local Charleston community.
2: Well, obviously, it's not hard to fall in love with Charleston. I love Charleston. Um, It's home for me. Um, My wife, she's from South. She tells me, you're more Southern than I am. (laughs) Um, She has the itch to move. And I'm like, no, Charleston is home. We're staying here. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's being a brown man, immigrated from a different country, essentially being here in deep South. I never felt that I'm an outsider. I there is a very amazing sense of inclusiveness here that I feel, and people are genuine. People, when they ask questions, when they ask about your background, they genuinely ask because they want to know more about you and feeling that, you know, especially in this climate, uh, political climate, being an immigrant and feeling included is amazing. And being able to now grow our business and be part of this community is wonderful.
0: Good stuff. And so we're going to wind down with uh, Leslie's favorite part. She's not here today, but we're going to run through a little quick uh, question answer. So just the first thing that comes to your mind, we ask a couple of quick questions for you. Um, one of them would be, what would be maybe one of the best books you've ever read that's had a major influence or impact on you?
2: Seven Habits of Highly Effective People.
0: Okay. Uh, good old Stephen Covey. And then uh, something on your bucket list uh, that you have not had the chance to accomplish.
2: Good question.
0: Um, IPO. I like that. And then the last one is, tell us a little something about you since the tagline is "story" or people you know, stories you don't. Something about you that maybe uh, most people that even know you would not know, whether it's a a trick you have, a trade, somewhere you've been, some experience
2: you've had. Sure. Well, I like to get dressed and suit up and go to work, but um, a lot of people don't know that at heart, I am. I love to be on a farm, with animals, and fish, shoot guns, and do things that you wouldn't expect for from an immigrant. So my wife likes to call me a Persian hillbilly. I
0: was gonna say she's right. You are southern, <laughs> right? Well, Amir, thank you so much for again sharing your amazing journey and story. With Byron and myself and all of our listeners here this morning. And thank you again to our listeners to tune in the dial to 943 for another edition of Beyond the Business. We'll be back next Saturday morning at 730. And until then, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 730 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC.